You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you are listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I've got the opportunity today to share with you a really interesting theme, or at least I think it's certainly interesting because I I run into it a lot with my coaching clients. And that is the question of, you know, a lot of times people just tell you, well, get your mind right, you know, get, get your mind set in the right space so that you can make a change. And it's it's uh, it's much easier said than done sometimes, and it's not uncommon for people to get kind of stuck where they are. And simply talking about changing your mind or resetting or refreshing, reframing, renewing, whatever you want to call it, isn't enough. My guest today is going to help us kind of peel this apart and find hopefully better ways to really get unstuck from where you might be. Her name is Jenna Smith. Jenna, welcome. Welcome. I am happy to be here. So happy to have you. Tell us a little bit about your journey into this space. How did you land on your work and being able to help people with these kinds of issues? Absolutely. Well, it's a long story. Let me try to make it short. (laughs) I have always been fascinated with, as a young child, I would just watch people and I thought something was off. (laughs) Just was like, that person's sad, but they're not saying they're sad. And there just felt like how people treated animals. There's just things that felt really off to me. So I've always just been like, what makes humans tick and what makes things thrive? And I got into singing and music. Um, I was in a car accident, so I had chronic pain, so I needed to heal from that. So that brought me into a lot of the healing world. Um, so just really the short answer is my curiosity and just openness of what makes us really, really tick. And the main key points were um, when I studied with some shamanic mentors and and they were like, you know, you're connected to nature and we're connected, you know, as a, as a mammal and as a this, and it just made so much sense to me these pieces that we disconnected from, like our connection to what makes us feel safe and emotions and things that we shove down. And so that led me down a road and then psychotherapy. So after I did my music degree and realized that music wasn't where I wanted to go, just in terms of the business, I love singing and I will always love singing, but not the business. Um, I got into personal training and just anything transformation. So personal training, people would change holistically. That led me to psychotherapy. Psychotherapy is like the mental, emotional processing the past, dealing with things to to clear up the energy and get to that decisiveness, like present moment decisiveness. Um, I didn't want to be in a room seeing clients all day. So I didn't want that either, that lifestyle. And then I found coaching before it was really big, like wasn't well known. Um, I stumbled into ontological coaching. So it's how human beings relate to reality. Then that creates a reality. So how we're seeing things and how that's forming our experience of life and how to change from there versus just moving pieces. Those are all of the the nuggets, um, but it's really that desire for us to live. And I've always had that, um, I don't want to die with my music still in me kind of thing. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean big accomplishments? Or does that mean that I feel deeply satisfied and peaceful and I have relationships? Like what does a truly fulfilled life look like? And so those things drive me. My clientele has just come. I've just been very good at what I do. I get people results. 
and then the more come back. So I haven't had to work very hard at the whole business side of things, just because I care so much about the results and people. Um, I feel very deeply when I work with somebody to, to get them where they want to be and unstuck. So is there a, what you might call a typical client scenario that people bring to you when they say, I need help. I want to do some work with you. Absolutely. When they've done all the things <laughs> they've done there, uh, I typically work with high achievers, smart people. And if they knew how they would do it, they would. So they have, <laughs> they've done the books or the, this or the that. And, um, what we're talking about today is why that stops working, the pushing, do more work harder. You know, I just was working with a lawyer and he's like, you know, you just got to work harder. I'm like, that won't work for this, for, you know, human relationships, feeling, healing, feelings, feeling, feelings. So this whole other landscape of being a human being, it won't work for. So that type of thing of having all the things, but not feeling deeply satisfied, not feeling at peace, um, overachieving, and not feeling like you're getting anywhere, right? They think, well, once I do this, then, and then you get to midlife, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, well, shoot, <laughs> where's my, where's my happy or where's the fulfillment? Um, so that's a typical scenario of things just stop working. And then, and then it also creates a state of helplessness and panic. They won't yep. say that to a lot of people, but they're like, well, if everything I'm doing that got me success doesn't work shoot. That's, that's unsettling. I'm like you, I've been a long time observer of people and, and curious about what makes people tick and how they think and how they show up in the moment. And I, I do agree with you. I think a lot of our experiences help create our beliefs, beliefs about the world, beliefs about who we should be or who we're not and you get into the you draw a line in the middle and you you get in on one side there's the famous limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. things that might have been programmed into us when we were younger you know you're not smart enough you're not fast enough you're not pretty Mm -hmm. enough you're not tall enough you know whatever those things are that hold us back and and Sadly, the way those manifest, we we get a new opportunity and these tapes start playing and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, rather than saying, yeah, I can do that. I, yeah, that's cool. That'll be awesome. That, that'll be great. Rather than taking off the boxes of what you have accomplished or what you do know to apply to the new thing, inevitably our negative tapes start playing and we go, hmm, no, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I don't, I'm, yeah. you know, and that leads to what is popularly talked about in coaching circles as imposter syndrome, you know, yes. moving into a position yes, and feeling bad about that. So clearly we've got a number of things to talk about here and There's I'm not sure so how things. we prioritize uh, <laughs> where we're going here, but let's, Let's talk first about that. Just let's don't carve out the limiting beliefs by themselves just yet. Let's just talk about beliefs in general. So how we take those beliefs into a new situation and what do you see as some of the ways people either use them as springboards or use them as, as walls and speed bumps? Well, 
And again, and then when does that springboard have you hit a wall? <laughs> when, when does that motivation to, I mean, they all go into each other. Okay. So I kind of want to weave imposter syndrome into this because I think imposter syndrome is actually shame with good PR, like the feeling of not being good enough, but this fancy way to say it, actual imposter syndrome, just like, oh my gosh, am I, that? is this paper that good? Like it's actually, it's not as embroiled in something so deeply shame emotion. Um, so beliefs are yours to write, but most of them have been written for you. So if you don't know how to notice your mind and notice, you know, this is a Eckhart Tolle step, but it doesn't have to be so woo woo. If, if either you have your thoughts or they have you, is really the answer. You have your thoughts or they have you. So the belief will reveal itself in your behavior or thought. So there you go. Okay. The data, I call it data. So the data I have is, oh, I, I actually think I'm a loser and I don't deserve this. And to bring consciousness to it versus squirreling around and believing it immediately. So having that conscious choice to go, wait, is that true? Am, am I a loser? You know, and you could, you could go down a rabbit hole if you're really... If, in the emotion, like there's a time to do this and a time not to do it. So if you're not feeling really good, there are different things you need to do to get emotionally centered again. But if we're just working with beliefs, those are actually really cleanly workable. What is the belief? Is that true? Okay. I have believed that's true. And here's some evidence that that's true, but also what's true is this. And to, to start packing and stacking Here's when it has went well. Why don't it go into curiosity and openness? So if that belief is really stuck, curiosity and openness is where you're going to get out and, and moving the energy. So it's like, if you're really stuck on something, it's actually better to go for a walk, come back. Okay. Like now come back at it because beliefs will feel true. If you've been thinking it for a really long time, a belief is just something you've been thinking a really long time and it's been told to you, it's been true and you've seen it as truth is evidence in your life. So it's really hard to unhook from. So I'm not oversimplifying, like to really have a core belief, it will feel really true. Um, to get unstuck from them is going to start with noticing. And I say that like, what I'll give my clients is the voices in my head are saying, not I'm, what are the voices in your head saying? Well, they're saying this. So now suddenly you can look at it. And I find those just starting to unpack it and know that it is a computer that you can, you can input and you can direct. And that's the mind and beliefs, all the other stuff, the emotions, the body, your history, any stored trauma, whole other ball game. Cause now you're not just dealing with stuck thoughts. You're dealing with something that really needs to be processed and healed mm -hmm. into wholeness. Uh, and it'll keep coming up and coming up and coming up. But if it's just a belief, you can, you can fix that. So why do you think it, it becomes so difficult to make those changes? I mean, I'm thinking about a couple of really popular phrases now that are around in the executive world, executive coaching in particular. I think Marshall Goldsmith was the one that wrote a book called uh, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Mm -hmm. And uh, just learned a new one this morning on another show I, I recorded, uh, Old Keys Won't Open New Locks. Yeah. And I think both of those statements are, are good messages to people that are out there trying to lead a team or, or run a business and they're 
they're running into these seeming roadblocks, maybe nothing physical or tangible, but it's just, why can't I make this company run better? Why, why is my team not hearing me, not seeing me, not getting it? All of those mm -hmm. things that tend to yep. hold people back. Right. I, I, I wonder why it seems so hard to self-declare and admit that it's time for a change. Well, because then you're not in control and you're somewhat weak. Like I think, I think I, my real specialty is getting human beings tuned up. <laughs> like once you've got the leader being able to feel comfortable with change and be curious instead of controlling to move from controlling. And that is very important in leadership. You might have had to be really controlling and self-disciplined. And actually now the new growth edge is flexibility, openness, but structure with some structure, very, very different like that, that relies on so many other factors than control. So I think it's our addiction to control in that feeling. Oh, I'm confident. I'm comfortable because I'm in control, but you can't do that once you have uh, grown beyond a certain scope. And if you want to grow, you're going to need to expand and, and learn how to use those sides of your brain. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I do a lot of work with small business owners who have had some success with their business, whether they bought a franchise, bought a business or started something from scratch and they've gotten up to a certain level of success, but there's this invisible wall that they can't seem to get through or around. And I, I was first introduced to this phenomenon back in my early career as a banker. I watched businesses that would do that trajectory. They would get through, they would, they would seemingly blow through startup, all the tri trials and tribulations of starting a business. They would, they would successfully blow through that. They would get to sort of that next level of scale up. But again, they would hit some magic number and it, it, would, it, it varied, but there was always a number that they never could seem to get past. And mm -hmm. as I really started studying it back to the curiosity thing, I realized it was all in the mind of the owner. Mm -hmm. It was their view and their perception. And sometimes if you think of it in terms of a spectrum on one dark end of the spectrum was this almost ego thing going on. Nobody can do it like I do it. I'm not going to yes. delegate. I'm not going to let anybody mm -hmm. else have the keys to this kingdom. And that was a limiting belief right there. And then for others, it was just that fear of actually succeeding, you know, you know, yep. oh my God, what would happen if I two X'd and well, isn't that a nice problem to have? <laughs> yes. But then you'd have to actually like walk that through. And what does that look like? Oh, well, well I had that myself actually. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, I can't have this many clients and I can't this and I can't that. I had to raise my rates. <laughs> that was the solution at the time. But it just, it just like, I didn't, the future me couldn't see well, like, you know, the present me couldn't see future me where actually there's more time freedom because now that this team member is doing this and this is handled here, I actually get to do this. And, and if you can't see that, that's the thing, right? Like they, they can't see what they can't see. And if you're in the analytical mind, you can't see, you can't have vision. You, you will just be very um, 
this <laughs> to blind spots. Is, that's why the term is so popular. Yeah. Um, but yes, that fear of success, but also that egoic control of like, oh, no one can do better. They're the same problem, right? We're back down to beliefs. The same problem is I think a millionaire means you'll be alone. I think it means this. I think it means I'm going to have to pay all the taxes, like whatever their thing is that they don't want to do. Um, like that's prevent, you know, I have a lot of friends who are like, I don't want to pay that in taxes. So I don't want to make this like, well, let's look at this. <laughs> let's, let's, let's look at this differently, you know? Um, and then sometimes the goal could be, oh, I want this bill to be this because this means I'm here. Um, again, we're back to curiosity, but they were the same. Those two scenarios are the same issue of not being able to get past their, their habitual way of being. Yeah. It, it and it is interesting how it manifests. There, there are so many different combinations of how this thing shows up, and I, I think it, it, it does come back down to that idea of, am I curious? Can I see a new way and a new opportunity? And am I willing to go there? And again, back on the small business owner, you know, it, it may involve things like. Well, I need to hire an operations manager for my business. I need to stop doing that. My highest and best use might be in finding new deals and building new relationships. Okay, great. If that's true, you can't keep yourself buried in the weeds back at the office. You, you've yes. got to be out there. Or the flip side of that is if the owner says, I'm really good at operations, but I, I suck at sales. Okay, guess what? <laughs> Go find a sales guy. <laughs> yeah. And please don't hire your buddy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, right. If you're growing from that, I say it all the time too. Well, I'm going to get my friend to do this. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Friends and family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, it, it and it is that that kind of thinking that can can really limit. And um, while we're on that subject, I speaking to anybody out there in the small business world that it, you know, a lot of times what I hear is the pushback. Well, we're just barely cash flow positive, so I don't I don't think I've got a budget to pay somebody to do X, whatever X may be. Well, if that's really true, your business is in what we call the valley of the shadow of death. If you if you don't have the resources to be able to make some of those changes, then there are probably some other things going on in the business that you haven't addressed yet, like your pricing. Yes. Yeah. If, if you think you're delivering at the top 10% of the market, then your price ought to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And plugging leaks. I find a lot of people, I mean, I'm in the online space a lot, so they'll have all of these bells and whistles and things in the background that they don't need, um, taking away from their income and, and they, cause at some point someone thought they needed it or, or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, just plug those leaks, <laughs> just, just run really smoothly, you know, use what works. Yeah. Let's um, let's think about this. There, there's also a, a popular topic that uh, many are are talking about and trying to do work in, and that is the culture of your business. Um, I know on my show, I've had a number of uh, marketing people that have uh, sat in the guest seat, and they've have talked about the idea of it doesn't matter what your brand message is if the culture of your company can't support it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if if you say you want to be this philanthropic, uh, community-involved organization, but yet you're telling your people they better clock in and out on the minute on the time dial, well, that doesn't really jive with, hey, let's knock off early and, and go to the soup kitchen and, and help out there. You know, there, there's something yeah. misaligned in that message. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I focus on people and I work with leaders. And so they have to start with themselves. That everything is revealed everywhere. <laughs> their, their daily habits, their life, like anything that you want to know about yourself is all right here. It's, there's nothing hidden really. Um, so if they're, they're having that disconnect of, I say, I'm saying this, but I'm not doing it there's somewhere that that's happening. Otherwise they would just have to create, they would, it would, it would have to, they couldn't stand that. They couldn't stand that disconnect if they were really living in integrity with who they really are and the values that they find successful. And we talked about that at the beginning. A lot of people create success based on metrics that were imposed on them. And then they're winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm successful, but they feel deeply alone and disconnected. They can't tell anybody because like, oh, but look at them so successful. I can't complain about this. Like that disconnect is a big one I work with, but in a culture scenario, there's, you have those leadership positions have to be living that you can't just say we live in integrity. You can't just say we, we like dolphins. <laughs> you can't just say these things. You have to actually be being it. And that's kind of the piece with the ontological coaching. Like, are you being this or are you just talking about it? I had a guest on a recent episode who introduced me to a concept that I just love, and it's it was a challenge to me, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be working on this myself. That is, he said he learned a long time ago from a mentor that he should write a user manual on him. Yeah, I and, have one. <laughs> I literally have one. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. So uh, that was actually a, a bit of a new concept for me, but I love it. And what he said he he's done, and part of his year in rigor, he goes back and reevaluates. You know, are, are these statements in this user manual still true? Has anything changed? Do I need to have I learned something different that I need to reflect? But he makes this user manual available to every one of his employees. Nice. And anywhere he goes, and, and he has successfully moved across about six different industries. Mm. So the idea that, you know, you you can't be successful as a leader in an industry unless you know the industry, that's fundamentally false. Yeah. And um, there may be some really extreme examples, but of course. I mean, I'm not going to go out and try to be a heart surgeon or anything like that because there's some special yeah. skills. But if you're but, in business, uh, you, you know, you can. But if I'm a leading a team yeah. of heart surgeons, yes. I, I, I think go. I could apply some things. Um, mm -hmm. But I thought it was a great idea. And one of the big, well, there are many elements in it, but uh, obviously a big part of that is just the revelation and reflection on what do you believe? What what do you really think? And more importantly, how does it manifest itself in the day to day? Yeah. And how can people, well, this is, this is why all those personality things are so popular because, you know, I like, I like how Colby, the Colby index is about how you do time and task versus just your personality. But if you, if you 
And I, the reason I did my manual was right. Like how to talk to me when I'm like this, this is like, I, I know myself. That's my job as a leader is to know yourself. Um, how, how to communicate the best timing, best practices, uh, beyond just a, a personality assessment or, you know, those types of things, but also your shadow side, when I'm scared, I will do this. So I will tell them, so this, I, I use when humans go feral or your survival mechanism. So if everyone's going to get scared, tired, lonely, hungry, that, that we're, we are mammals. And when I'm like this, it means this. And so here's how to handle that. That would be awesome. If more people had that, if people would say, you know, when I'm like this for no shame, no, anything like that, just here's, here's what works for me. And here's what doesn't marriages. That would be very good too. Yeah. <laughs> like here, when I go feral, this is what it looks like. And it could look like being cold. It could look like, like just cold and distant, shut down, less, less chatty, you know, when you know who you are and part of my work with people is like, let's get to know who you are when you're shut with, like, how does that show up? What are the voices in your head saying? What do you physically experience? How does your, how right. does your posture look? How do you treat people? Um, cause now you have mastery. It has, you know, you have that not, it has you is, is amazing. So this type of exercise will help be an extension of that, but you'd have to get there first Who? Yeah. Who am I when I'm in fear? Who am I when I'm feeling good? What are the conditions that are needed to create X, Y, Z is really important because we need the conditions. We need the resources. Like when we talked about beliefs, the resources I connect people back to are their body and their heart space and having that ability to connect to the subconscious mind, not just the, so those resources are what's missing to overthinking people stuck in their head thinking if I just keep doing this, like, well, <laughs> right, right. you can keep doing it, but it, there's some signs and symptoms are showing you otherwise. Yeah. How's that working out for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jenna, I tell you what, this has been great and we're about up on time for today, but uh, thank you so much for sitting in. Tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in knowing more. Best way is my website, jennasmithcoaching.com. And you can catch me there and message me. And if you wanted to see little bips and bops at Adventures in Jenna Land is on um, Instagram. Oh, neat. Yeah. Great title. Great title. <laughs> well, folks, as always, we'll have that in the show notes so you can click on and go straight over there. But uh, Jenna, one last time, thanks for sitting in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the conversation. And folks, I like to remind you that if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, check out the archive, and uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking and any ideas you've got for a, another episode that you would like to hear more about. With that, I'm going to say goodbye, sign off, and go out there make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.